The Future is Inclusive is produced on Ngunnawal country and we pay our respects to elders past, present and future, especially those who identify as having a disability. You can tell that he knows that his job is important and that the people that he interacts with value what he does. This is The Future is Inclusive and that was the voice of Cherie Henley, who you might remember from an episode on education. I'm Cara Matthews and in this final episode of The Future is Inclusive, we're learning about the importance of having a purpose and how we can help facilitate that for adults with intellectual disability. We'll hear more from Cherie soon, but as you might be able to hear, Alison and Susie Proctor are back in the studio with us. We are back. When we're talking about purpose, why does it matter? Why does it matter for people with disability or why does it matter? Why does it matter in general, I suppose? Good question. Why does purpose matter to you? Without purpose, I think I might just live a life of... Sunday sleep-ins in bed without ever getting out of bed and doing stuff. Which sounds nice, Mm. but I don't think it really would be, would it? No. So, Alison, as Susie's guardian, how do you try to facilitate purpose? Uh, For me, I think purpose is like an anchor, right? Mm. It kind of gives meaning to Mm. all of the stuff that Mm. happens in your day. Uh, It's kind of about seeing you having an important role. You're not just a person who sits in a wheelchair hanging out in a shopping centre You are somebody who is uh, contributing to the community by running errands, uh, by uh, contributing to the economy through the things that you buy. We attend, uh, we're on a community service board and I really, um, I really appreciate that the board have been happy and willing that you come along as well, Suze, because we don't really understand fully what you take on and understand about what's said in that boardroom meeting when we talk about, oh, we talk about superannuation of employees and we talk about um, financial restructuring and, and fairly dry kind of topics. But I feel that the purpose you bring to that boardroom, Suze, is you bear witness to the things that we say and, and that that's actually a really important role. The community service that, whose board we're on is really dedicated to um, making the lives of people Uh, who are vulnerable better. Uh, And so you coming along and bearing witness to the decisions that we make and the conversations we have, like that's, like that's vital. Yeah. I mean, another purpose that you you fulfil, Suze, is as an auntie to my kids and to our brother's kids. You're uh, a a wonderful auntie. My my beautiful nine-year-old daughter um, often jokes and says that well, because I'm not a very blingy kind of person, right? You, you won't catch me uh, with sequins and um, sparkly things, but Suze, uh, you and she both have bling in common. You both really love all the sparkles. And that's a really great thing for an auntie to bring to a niece, especially when it's something lacking in the mum. hear about Cherie's story. If you heard our episode on education, you'll know that Cherie's son Isaac made friends and gained social capital by going to a mainstream school. Cherie has always looked for ways to ensure Isaac's community was bigger than just his family and support workers. And then a few years ago, she set up a micro board called Isaac's Band of Brothers and Sisters, which you are on, I believe, Alison. I am now, yes. Can you explain how a micro board works? 
Yeah, sure. So a microboard in many ways is like uh, a circle of support. Uh, it's an incorporated body, so it can uh, kind of apply for funds and, and employ workers. Uh, but it shares in common um, lots with a circle of support, which is an intentional gathering of people around someone with a disability. And that might have lots of different forms, lots of different ways of meeting together. Suze, we ran a circle of support for you for many years. And that was a lot about exploring housing options for you at the time. And then it kind of morphed into figuring out how to encourage your friends to get in touch with you and to hang out with you. The key thing that it is, is that it's an intentional gathering of people focusing on the well-being and excellent life of someone with a disability. So you and I spoke to Cherie about Isaac's microboard and how it set out to help him transition from high school into a job. One of the things that this group of people has actually done is when we decided that, you know, um, kids his age at the time, which was 16, were starting to look towards what they would do after they finished school, which is working. And we, we, they had the belief that it was possible, which was important. And then we thought, well, what can we do in order to help him find work? And so we brainstormed all sorts of crazy ideas, um, some more crazy than others. <laughs> and we came up with... Um, the idea of because he really loved driving in the car, he was he was capable of carrying things um, that were light and not too bulky and heavy, and he's very good at learning sort of routine tasks where step one, step two, steps. He's very good at learning that, and he's also very good with people and remembering where to go within a building. So we figured that being a delivery man was the way to go. So the, the actions that the microboard members took were to help brainstorm what it would look like. But then we, we thought, well, what, where, where do we start? What could he deliver? What could he practice delivering? And we nutted out a whole lot of things. And then one of the microboard members said that they'd been to the doctor that day and saw some really crappy old magazines <laughs> that were all... 10 years old and and um, pages ripped out of them and the crosswords all done and, and et cetera, et cetera. And maybe he could deliver magazines to the doctor's surgery. So he had about 25 different places that he delivered to make these magazines. And so we were, he was able to refine what he could do and learn and um, become known and, and uh, we could study even more the nuances of of what the conditions for success for him in work were and um, again through all of the networking that we had done somebody somehow came back to us and said actually we need our mail delivering and we'd be quite happy to pay him so away we went you can tell that he knows that his job is important and that the people that he interacts with value what he does because they need that mail. And if it wasn't him delivering it, then it would have to be someone from the office that might have to get up a bit earlier and waste petrol driving to the office and picking it up when when actually their particular role is to serve customers. And, um, you know, so it's really important that, you know, he's, he's given that, that opportunity to build those relationships because they, they just help so much for him. Um, and what is the role for for allies in helping ensure that purpose? 
allies have can talk about Isaac in a way that is um, that promotes him as being a valuable person. So they know the words to use. So they say they describe him in a way that's not he in, in terms of his deficits. They describe him in a way that's not. Please feel sorry for him. He's a charity case. You know, they describe him in ways where he he's the the wider community will go, yeah, we'll get on board with that. Uh, so he's seen as someone that's of value in in our community. So, and the way that they have brought their own networks into his life um, and expanded on on the networks that he has that have gone way beyond what I could have ever done alone. You've got to have allies. You can't do it on your own. It's too hard. And and at the same time, um, going to service providers, you know, you, you, it, it, there's, not, there's not just two ways of doing it. It's, you don't just do everything on your own or you don't just get service providers to do everything for you. You don't have to pay people to help you. You can. There's a this middle way of getting family and friends around you and working throughout your networks to make things happen, good things happen. I just wanted to ask about that. It's too hard to do it on your own. Yeah. Um, a lot of people can see that as being about mm. the experience of disability, but my experience of that with Sue's is that it's um, it's the systems that that create barriers around that, mm. around, around Sue's that are the things that make it hard. Sometimes when people will say, oh, how's Sue's going? And I'll say, oh, Sue's is fine. Uh, trying to find someone to do X, Y or Z or yeah. trying to write this kind of restrictive practice around this thing yeah, and this yeah. other thing and then fill in this form and then make sure we've got this thing ticked off and make sure I've got the guardianship. Mm. I'm like, that's the hard, hard stuff. Part. That's what yeah. makes it hard and that's why I feel like I need allies, mm. but that Susie also needs allies that are completely out of knowing about that and needing to know about that. She mm. just needs allies to speak up for her and be her friend. Yeah. Do you have a message or advice or something for other parents or other families mm. when helping with yeah, purpose? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Your goal is not to fill their week with activities, you know. Your goal is to help them find roles that within those activities that they can then be valued and appreciated for and that makes people sit up and listen and want to be part of your kid's life or your your sister's life or whatever. So they're not no longer this person that has some deficits. They're actually someone that can contribute. So, you know, if they... If they like to go swimming, for example, just look around and see what opportunities there are at the pool to have some kind of role. It might be, I don't know, um, collecting towels and, and putting them in the towel washing basket or it might be, I don't know, um, uh, there might be a cafe there where they need people to stack the chairs and tidy up the kit, the cafe area or, you know, and just try to, to look for roles there that that are around the person's interests. So you can't just say, here, go and do that either. Um, it's got to be around the, what the person loves. And if they love being in the, the atmosphere of the pool, they like the business, they like, you know, all of that, 
and um, or they might be an assistant to a teach swimming teacher, you know, getting all of the equipment out and putting it all in order on the side of the pool. And that can then lead to building relationships. Whereas if just a kind of a passive person that goes along and is there, you know, no amount of going to a, the same cafe every week and and just sitting there and drinking coffee, <laughs> it, you know, you might be lucky and, and, and meet someone, but you've got, but having some kind of role, mm. that's going to lead to all sorts of things. So exploring the idea of having a role is really what I would say to people because that role of Isaac's deli- Isaac Delivers has just led to the most incredible relationships and opportunities and um, his self-esteem is just skyrocketed. Are there challenges in that? And and absolutely, yeah. How were they overcome? Okay, absolutely, there are challenges, and and you got to look at the nuances here. And you know, so when Isaac's d- delivering stuff initially, you know, navigating the, the corridors, knocking stuff over, I could have just gone, nah, can't do it. He's he can't do it. In but what we did instead was we figured out well what. What needs to be in place? What would make it successful? What do we need to do? How do we need to adapt the activity to make it possible? And you just keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying. So are there parallels between Isaac and Cherie's experience and both of yours? Susie, yeah, there are There are definite parallels between our experience and Cherie and Isaac's. Uh, we see the importance of networks of allies to be so, so, so helpful. I mean, you heard me talk in that interview with Cherie about mm-hmm. the importance of not doing it alone. And that that's really uh, kind of a reflection, Sue's on you as much as it is on a reflection on trying to navigate and be what Seymour from Women with Disabilities calls the meat sandwich between you and the rest of the world, to be the buffer between you, Suze, and the the kind of complicated systems that you need to navigate to get hold of the things that you need to live life. So being able to kind of draw on those networks and allies, uh, yeah, that's been a definite similar experience for us, hasn't it, Suze? This is The Future is Inclusive. I'm Cara Matthews, and in this episode, I'm talking to Alison and Susie Proctor about what it means for people with disabilities, and everyone, to have purpose. In other words, opportunities for meaningful employment or volunteer work, and something that feeds a passion or an interest. So what are the tools that we have in the toolbox when it comes to purpose? Tool number one, is there someone in your life who has a disability and do they have a circle or microboard? Can you get on that circle or microboard or can you offer to help set one up? Or can you offer to cater for one, bring a meal along the next time that circle gather or meet? Number two, could you use the services of a company that employs or is run by people with disability Mm. and look into what services are around and what services support them? Mm Mm-hmm. Tool number three, don't assume that people with disabilities belong somewhere else. Uh, Where you find purpose is where they're going to find purpose. Uh, It's where we all find purpose. So if you're in a tennis club or a games night or a scouting group, what a great opportunity to make sure that that is an inclusive place for people with disability. I used to be a little bit quiet about 
um, Sue's about you and, and I used to think, oh, that's not an important thing, right? I'm not going to mention it. Um, but now I'm really loud about it everywhere I go. And so, for example, um, my son was at a scouting event on the weekend and, and I saw a scout there who has Down syndrome. And I like made a point of saying, hey, I really love that this scouting group is inclusive. So I don't want to make a, a song and dance about it, but I do want to be a cheerleader on the sidelines to go, yeah, that's awesome. Bring it on. So, Alison, this is our final episode. Where? Thank you so much. So sad. So, yes, it is. Um, thank you so much for your idea and for your support in making this happen. Do you have a final thought for the army of allies who we've hopefully empowered through this podcast? Ooh, totally. One of the things I've loved doing about this podcast mm. is I've put on my allies' mm. ears and eyes as we've been doing it. And I have thought about something that you and Ruth said a few episodes ago. I wish there was some kind of flag or way of really demonstrating that you're an ally. I thought and reflected on how um, people who are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander feel welcome when they see the flags, when they see the Aboriginal flag or they see the Torres Strait Islander flag. So I went on to the internet and I found the International Day for People with Disability website and I kind of uh, just borrowed the colours uh, that that are represented in that day and I turned that into a little signature block. So now when I send an email at the bottom of my email, I acknowledge the traditional owners of the country and I also uh, loudly state that I seek to be an ally for people with disabilities and what that means is that I seek to mm. ask, listen and amplify the voices and experiences of people with disability. Thank you so much, Alison and Susie for speaking to, with me today. Susie, I think you say ciao. The Future is Inclusive is funded by the ACT Office for Disability. I'm Cara Matthews, and thanks to Alison and Susie Proctor, Cherie Henley, and our producer, Kim Lester.